are listening to the Sunday Sermon from Crossroads Bible Church in Bellevue, Washington. To learn more about Crossroads, visit us on our website at cbcbellevue.com. The passage that we're going to look at is the only undisputable passage in the entire Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that deals with the resurrection. Can I get an ooh, ah, yes, there we go. See, if you haven't brushed your teeth, it's okay, you're masked. (laughs) The good news is this passage is so profound that we could have preached it next Sunday for Easter, but I decided since we really need to conclude Daniel, and Daniel 12 gets into minutiae that will be rather complex, we could end it a week before Easter. But you want to talk about the perfect precursor to Easter? I can't plan this. I can't make this up. This is what happens when we systematically work through God's Word. Now, we're going to answer a simple question in Daniel 12. And I think it's not only true of Daniel 12, it's true of the entirety of Daniel. What are we supposed to do while we wait for the end? We know the end is coming. What should we do in the interim while we wait and wait and wait? What are we supposed to do? Daniel 12 gives us the answer. So let's look into Daniel chapter 12. This is the last installment of our series, Courageous Living in Chaotic Times. And I admit, I'm sad to see this series come to a conclusion. But what I really need to do is simply say thank you to the Lord and thank you to you. Because you may not know this, but the vast majority of churches and even the vast majority of Christians never go through the entirety of Daniel. You are the few the proud, the courageous. Give the Lord and yourself a hand, will you? You have been such an encouragement to me in the midst of losing valuable brain cells and hair follicles, trying so hard to discern my way through Daniel. It's been your encouragement through text, through email, through personal conversation that has ensured I have survived this series. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. In chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, we are picking up the revelation or the interpretation of the vision from the angel that was given to Daniel. It started in chapter 11, verse 1. The introduction to that was in chapter 10. You may recall I said chapter 10, 11, and 12 should be taught as one unit, but the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. So I spared you. I I spared you, and we only have dealt with a chapter at a time. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are like, hallelujah. That's right. One chapter at a time. Let's begin with the continuation and the conclusion of the interpretation. But what we're going to do is we're going to end this book by pulling out all the stops. See, I know that there are some children here today, and there were children at the 9 o'clock worship gathering, and yet some of these children are no longer going to be in the worship gathering because we're opening up our children's ministry next Sunday. Now, you want to talk about bittersweet. For me, 
it's mostly bitter. For you as parents, it's sweet. But the reality is, you can do a double shot. You can bring your children in to participate with us in the worship center, and then they could also go to children's church, perhaps. You could schedule that. But regardless, we're going to have our children go out with a bang. When I say the term antichrist, what are you going to do? No, like you mean it. Like he's diabolical. Whoa. Yes, I'm sensing the spirit over here. Now, when I use the term angel, you're going to say, yay! That was a shriek. I may have to exercise a demon. No. And then we're going to give some other suggestions, and I'm going to see if the 11 o'clock worship gathering will step up far beyond the 9 o'clock worship gathering. So we're going to go out with a bang. Continuing our vision in chapter 12, verse 1. The angel, very good, he says, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, that's Israel, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, Israel, everyone who is found written in your book will be rescued. So here we have the angel continuing the interpretation on behalf of Daniel and us as well. And what he says is there's going to be a time of distress, unlike any time period that the world has ever known, unlike any nation has ever known. Now, how bad is this going to be? Well, if yes. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8, we discover that a third of Israelites will survive. Now, this is bad because the Holocaust, which was horrific, had a third of all the Jewish people living in the world pass away. The tribulation period will have two-thirds of all the Jewish people in the world perish. This is an atrocity like no other atrocity. It is a time of distress that's unparalleled. Jesus himself called it the great tribulation. This is not just the halfway point. This is the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 20 and 21, Jesus says, the great tribulation is the worst period. And if God himself did not cut short the days, not even any remnant of the elect would have survived. So this is a difficult season in human history, the worst of the worst. But if you notice in verse 1, Michael the angel. Michael's name means who is like God. There's a yay. Yay! Michael isn't just any angel. He's the archangel. First, chief, prominent, the best of the best, the one who actually guards or stands over God's people, Israel. This is an impressive angel. Do you know what he does? If we fast forward into Revelation chapter 12, this is in the future. Michael takes Satan... 
and he throws him out of heaven once and for all. Now, what that tells us is Satan still has access to God's heaven. We don't know exactly what that means or what that looks like, but we get an idea in Job chapter 1 where Satan is able to converse with the Lord and go after the Lord's servant Job. But one day Satan will be thrown out of heaven and he will be thrown to earth. And that's where the tribulation moves. It moves to earth. It's directed at God's people, Israel. And many have said this is the truest expression of hell on earth. Why? Because Satan is having a field day and God has allowed him to unleash his fury and his wrath because Satan knows his time is short. This is intense, but I want you to see something in verse 1. Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Rescued, saved, delivered. But only if you're in the book. Now, on a Friday night, if you want to go to an expensive and popular restaurant in downtown Bellevue, do you just waltz in? No, not if you want a table. You have to call in advance and make a reservation. The same is true if you want to take a trip to Hawaii. You need to ensure that you can get a seat reserved or booked on that flight. You can't walk right into the airport and assume you're good to go. You're not. God has a book. He has a list of names. He doesn't need a computer like your airline or your favorite restaurant. He has a book that records everyone's name, but especially those whose name is written in the book of life or the Lamb's book of life. They are synonyms. They mean the same thing. This is the book that includes people who have believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if that includes you, you have nothing to fear. You have already been rescued because that book was written in indelible ink before time began. But don't assume that your name has been written in the book of life. If there is any doubt regarding where you stand with God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, make a decision today that you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior. So how are we rescued? I mean, the book of life, that's a broad way of saying if you pass away or if Jesus returns, you will spend eternity with God and those who love God. But remember, we're talking in the context of the tribulation. And the tribulation is designed for Daniel's people. That means for the nation of Israel. Verse 2 is going to tell us how Israel will be rescued, and then we'll make application for you and me. First, the third of Israel who survives this period called the tribulation they will go immediately in their natural bodies into what's called the millennium. Now, the simple way of understanding that is that is God's kingdom on planet earth. It'll be in Jerusalem, and the Lord Jesus Christ will reign as king. That's the government I'm looking forward to. That's the government that we call a theocracy, where God rules and reigns as king. 
He'll show us how government should be carried out. That's one way. The second way is what verse 2 is going to emphasize. So look at verse 2. Many, not all, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Now what we find in verse 2 is the only undisputed verse in the Old Testament that deals with the resurrection. Future, literal, bodily. Now, I make all kinds of arguments that there's a number of other passages. All of them are disputed. All of them. This is the one verse that is not disputed. It is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the Old Testament. But I'll go further. In verse 2, we have the first mention of everlasting life or eternal life in the Old Testament. Is Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 important? It is beyond important. Circle number two. Circle verse number two. What we find is resurrection day is division day. Now, some of you struggled with division when you were studying math. This is simple. Righteous and wicked people are separated and divided. They're ultimately divided by a thousand years because the resurrection that is called first in Revelation occurs before the thousand-year reign of Christ. The great white throne judgment, the second resurrection, occurs after the thousand years. But what's more important is those who have trusted in Christ, they have everlasting life. Those who have not trusted in Christ, they've rejected Him, they've said, no thank you, not interested, they have everlasting condemnation. This is not popular. And what's happening in today's day and age is, in the name of love, tolerance, and pluralism, what we are saying often as Christians is that people don't really suffer everlasting punishment and torment in hell. That is not politically correct. But here's the problem. Look with me at the text. This is simple. You do not need any Hebrew expertise. Take any English Bible you'd like, and notice the adjective everlasting is used of heaven and hell in the same verse. Furthermore, in verse 7, everlasting, the very same word, translated forever in many of our English Bibles, is used of God. If you and I or any other well-meaning Christian says that hell is not forever, what that person is saying is heaven is not forever and God himself is not the forever king of the universe. You, you cannot have it both ways. You, you can't. Not, and be fair to the text, I do not like sharing this truth. It doesn't provide me any satisfaction whatsoever. It's hard not to weep over the doctrine of hell because people who reject Christ are going to spend eternity separated from Him and from those who love Him. That kills me. So why is it in here? Why did Jesus talk about hell more than He talked about anything else except money? 
the two topics that no preacher wants to address. Why did Jesus, the greatest preacher who has ever preached, why did he preach about hell so much? I, I think it's obvious. He didn't want anyone to go there. God is not just loving and merciful and gracious. He's holy, righteous, and wrathful. And his character is perfect in the balance of all of his attributes and characteristics. Verses like this are intended to create in you and me a sense of urgency. We've got to get this message out. Not just because it's Easter and we're going to celebrate Christ's resurrection. That's nice. But I'm talking each and every day, in every way possible, we've got to share everlasting life and everlasting death. The message of the Bible. That there's only one way a person can have a relationship with God, and that's through Jesus, God's only Son. Notice in verse 3, we move from the thrill of everlasting life and the horror of everlasting death to a beautiful reward. Verse 3 has the angel saying to Daniel, Help a brother out! <laughs> those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. During the worst possible period in human history, there will be those Jewish people, and I'm sure some Gentile people like you and me, who are sharing about the Messiah, the one that we know as Jesus Christ. And you will likely lose your life if you're a believer in Jesus Christ during this time in human history. But what we will see is you will shine like the stars and the sun in heaven Leading people to faith in Christ is the ultimate expression of wisdom. But it's not only leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. For those who are alive during the tribulation period, it's helping Christians who have placed their faith in Jesus during the worst time in human history remain grounded and walk out their newfound faith when they're living in hell on earth. It's helping them persevere. It's saying... Don't look back. Don't give up. Don't give in. It's only a few years, and you will see Jesus face to face. It is leading people to faith and to maturity. What's the vision of our church? Building disciples who bring Jesus to our world. That's what we're doing as a church. And that's what people are going to be doing even during the tribulation period. Now, you know what's so interesting? If you look at this use of stars in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it's likely in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 41, the Apostle Paul, who talks about stars differing in glory, and he's referring to our glorified resurrected bodies, what he's saying is those who don't grow weary, those who don't lose heart in doing good, they will radiate Christ-likeness and brilliance and splendor for all of eternity due to their faithfulness on earth, particularly during the tribulation period. When we think of stars, what do we think of? We think of athletes, 
We think of musicians. We think of actors and actresses, movie stars. But all these people, their glory fades. They're in one moment, they're out the next. God stars, they shine forever. They're everlasting. Their reward is eternal. Does it matter whether or not you live for Christ in the midst of suffering? Yes, it matters. When you're interacting with people whose marriage is on the rocks and they don't think they can make it another day. When you're interacting with singles who are wondering, are they going to be alone for the rest of their lives? When you're talking to parents and grandparents who have rebellious children and grandchildren, and no matter how long they pray, they can't get their children to turn. What you need is to help people continue to exercise faith and faithfulness. And anything and everything you do for the body of Christ and for those who have yet to trust in Jesus Christ, it matters in this life, but it matters for all of eternity. Now, I want you to see how the vision concludes. Now, keep in mind, as I said, we're talking about three chapters coming to a conclusion in verse 4. This is the last segment of the vision. Chapter 12, verse 4. This is the angel speaking. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth or to and fro, and knowledge will increase. Now, when we read the first half of verse 4, we think, the angel is telling Daniel, very good, keep this revelation secret. Don't tell anyone. But that's, that's not what's being discussed. In the ancient Near East, you had a copy that was given for use and dissemination, and the original was kept safe for validation and verification. So the book of Daniel, the revelation is 2,500 plus years old. We're studying it today. We can see it's accurate. We can see how vital it is to our experience. We can test the words that Daniel received and see that they're the Word of God. Now, we understand this. Your birth certificate, your marriage certificate, it's on file in the county. And then you have a copy as well. This is how the ancient Near East worked. Jeremiah 32 has a perfect example of this if you're interested. But what we need to see is the second half of verse 4. This verse has been used for years. And I think it's been misunderstood. What many well-meaning Christians have said is, this verse is speaking of general knowledge and travel. That every few decades, and now it seems like every few days, knowledge doubles. And we're moving to and fro, back and forth. I mean, look where we can go throughout the world, into outer space. And so they see this as prophetic of what we are now experiencing in our day. Now, that sounds nice. That even preaches fairly well. The problem is that's not what the angel is talking about. Very good. Now, next time, say it like you believe it. The angel is talking about, whoa, don't scare me. Just say it like you mean it. That was startling. Daniel is being told his revelation, his vision 
It will be studied perhaps like no other book as the days grow nearer to the return of Christ. We're studying it now. We understand it now, but we're finding that people are more interested in prophecy than at any time in our history. In the last 50 years, more books have been written on the end times than in the last 200 years combined. What do you think is going to happen in the next few years? There's going to be a proliferation of books and seminars and commentaries and all of this. What great news that the book of Daniel is going to be studied, that Revelation is going to be studied. Did you know that Revelation is the only book in the Bible that has promised a blessing for those who read and heed what we could say is obey? Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. It is the only specific blessing, biblically speaking, given to a book if we read it and we heed it. I think we could make a similar application to Daniel. Why? Daniel is the best commentary on the book of Revelation. You cannot know Revelation unless you have first studied Daniel. It's impossible. We have had the privilege of doing that. There's an African legend about a man who was told, while you're walking through this valley, I want you to pick up as many pebbles as you possibly can. And then tomorrow you will be both sad and glad. The man picked up some pebbles. He put them in his pockets. The next day he discovered that the pebbles were diamonds. He was sad and glad. He was glad that he had some diamonds in his pocket, but he wished he had collected more diamonds so that he could have enjoyed greater wealth. Scripture is the consummate jewel. We will wish one day that we had studied it far more than we have. I will wish that. I live every day of my life disgusted with myself that I of all people should know I need to study the Bible more. I would guess you probably feel the same way that I do. We hold the prophetic truth of God's breath, God's very voice in our hands. We need to study it to show ourselves approved. This is what people are interested in talking about. When I'm interacting with unbelievers at the airport, in the mall, in my circle of relationships with those who have yet to trust in Christ, the questions that they want to ask me deal with the end times. We are fascinated. We are curious. And the world wants answers, and Christians want answers as well. In my career, three-quarters of the questions I've been asked by children deal with the end times. Three-quarters. What a privilege we have to study God's Word. Now, in verses 5 through 13, we have what's called the epilogue or the conclusion of the book of Daniel. Now, what we're going to find in verses 5 through 7 is three angels are speaking and involved. Well done. Listen to these words. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. And one said to the man dressed in linen, we said that the man dressed in linen in Daniel chapter 10 is a powerful angel. angel. Yay! 
Very good. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> and one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river? How? How long will it be until the end of these wonders? The wonders are the tribulation atrocities that are found in Daniel 11, verses 36 through 45. It's referring to the great tribulation that we've been discussing in this chapter so far. Now, verse 7 is very interesting. I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, that's Israel, all these events will be completed. So an unnamed angel tells Daniel that there is a timetable. But he says it's a time, times, and half a time. Now imagine that I'm late for a meeting with you. And I call you on the phone. And I say, hey, will you wait up? I'll be just a time, times, and half a time. I mean, would you appreciate that? No, that's right. You'd say, tell me something that I understand. That doesn't make sense to me. What we concluded, at least what I suggested, was in Daniel 7, the term time refers to a year. So what we're talking about is three and a half years. There will be a three and a half year period that will be devastating to the nation of Israel. And you may want to put an asterisk next to the phrase shattering the power of the holy people. An asterisk, a check, an X, because this tells you and I the purpose of the tribulation. It's not for those of us who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's for the nation of Israel to come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. Rev Romans chapter 11 verse 26 says, one day during the tribulation, all Israel will be saved. Some of you may remember that from our series through Romans. That's just simply saying that people from all over the world who are Jewish will finally realize that Jesus is the Messiah and that the Jewish people have been chosen by God. This is powerful. But we also determine the application for us. There is a countdown clock on our suffering. Do you remember that? We can see seconds and minutes ticking by, and we know no matter how difficult our physical, mental, emotional, or financial suffering is, there's a countdown clock on our suffering. No matter how strained your relationships are at work, no matter how you're being bullied at school, no matter how difficult your neighbors are, the reality is, in time, it'll all be over. That's the good news. Now, verse 8 is one of my favorite verses in all of prophetic literature. And you'll understand why the moment I read it. As for me, this is Daniel speaking. I heard but could not understand. Yes! I'm not alone! Daniel, who has been given supernatural vision and supernatural wisdom and discernment to interpret all kinds of visions and dreams, he doesn't even understand what the angel is saying. That deserves a yay. 
That's a yay right there. Daniel says, my Lord or sir, what will be the outcome of these events? What I would do is I would circle verse number six, and then I would circle verse number eight. We are concluding the greatest Old Testament prophetic book. And instead of having all the answers, instead of having our chronological chart just laid out and all kinds of PowerPoint presentations and feeling so good about ourselves, we're left with questions. We realize we still don't understand all of God's revelation. And we have the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25. We have the book of Revelation. We have Zechariah and Ezekiel. We have all these things that Daniel didn't. Is it okay for you to have questions? Especially about the end times. Yes, it is. Is it okay for you to have questions about the Bible? Yes. We welcome your questions at Crossroads. We're a Bible church for a reason. We want to study God's Word with you. We want to be in community and in community groups with you where we prioritize God's Word and we think and study together as the people of God. As important as Hebrew and Greek are, do you know what's even more important? Studying the Bible in community with other believers and learning from other men and women. That's where your learning will spike and take off. Always remember this. Beware of anyone who does not have questions about the end times. That sounds like a fortune cookie fortune, doesn't it? But that is biblical wisdom. That is truth. If I can answer every single solitary one of your questions, don't believe me. I'm selling something. I'm trying to impress you. But ultimately, I'm a fool. I humble myself and simply acknowledge some of my views I'm going to hold with an open hand. I'm going to say this is how I understand this text at this time. Godly women and men see it differently. So I'm going to agree to disagree agreeably. Now, when it comes to the core convictions of God's Word, no one's moving me. But on disputed issues... We need to unify, and we need to do so with humility. Verse 9 is going to be key, as is verse 13. Since you've already circled verses 6 and 8, circle verses 9 and 13. The key to understanding Daniel chapter 12 and the entirety of Daniel is in chapter 12, verses 9 and 13. The angel says, Excellent. Go your way. Now, kids, feel free to stand up. This is where we're going to one-up the 9 o'clock hour where only one woman stood and she just deer in the headlights. I challenged the men to man up and not one man stood up. So children, teens, adults, feel free to stand up at this time. Going to do some Christian jazzercise and aerobics. This is what you're going to do. Go! Now, don't hurt the person in front of you. Go! Go your way. One Hebrew word, it means walk. And it's a command. What are we to do as we live preparing for the end? Go walk. Now, don't hurt yourself either. Be careful. I mean, I didn't even have you stretch out first. 
but you are doing me proud. I want the video to show the 11 o'clock service had almost everyone standing. This is spectacular. Give yourselves a round of applause. Now, you're free to remain standing like they did in Ezra and Nehemiah's day, but you can also have a seat if you'd like. Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. So remember, the two copies, one for historical accuracy and validity, it's for the verification, another copy to be shared with people down throughout time. What is Daniel 12 saying? Look forward to the future, but live today. Let me say it one more time. Look forward, boom, to the future, but live today. Walk, go in the moment, living for today. Verse 10 says, many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Two categories or classes of people, the wise and the wicked. The wise will go through a season of purification. They will go through a time of great distress, but they will be refined yet as pure gold. The wicked, those that reject Christ, they're talked about in Revelation 16. Even though cataclysmic signs and wonders are done throughout the universe, they shake their fist at God, they blaspheme Him, and they reject Him to their dying breath. There's a sense of urgency that you share the good news of Jesus Christ this Easter season. The longer people harden their spiritual arteries, the harder their heart becomes. We owe them to share Jesus Christ with them. Look forward to tomorrow, to the end times, but live today. Live in the nasty here and now, right here, right now, today. In verses 11 and 12, the angel gets very complicated. Now be thankful that I'm past time. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. We said previously in Daniel that three and a half years was 1,260 days. Here we have 1,290 days. That's 30 more days. But it gets worse. Look at verse 12, 1,335 days. That is an additional 45 days added on to the 30. That's a total of 75 days. What is going on during those days? We don't know. <laughs> no one knows. That's what's so beautiful. I love it. The Bible has content that no one can answer with certainty. Now, what we think may be going on are our best guesses. It could be time that is necessary for judgments, like the judgment of Satan and the Antichrist. It could have to do with the... Oh, I didn't catch that. Very good. It could have to do with the cleansing of the temple because the Antichrist carried out <laughs> the abomination of desolation. He asked to be worshipped after he got rid of all of Israel's worship. What about the 45 days? totaling the 75 total days. The judgment of the sheep 
and goats, the judgment of the nations, the preparation of Israel, which had been destroyed through the battle of Armageddon, getting Israel ready for the millennial kingdom, remember God's kingdom on planet earth, all kinds of suggestions which I think are legitimate as best guesses, but we don't know, and that's okay. God lays out specific days and details because He wants us to know ahead of time how sovereign He is. Daniel concludes, but as for you, go your way. Now, those of you who are flexible and spontaneous, get up once again. Go! Very good. Go! Walk! I know that's a little more difficult. That's what you're called to do. That's it. Nothing extravagant, nothing incredibly impressive. Just live your life today. Be the single God wants you to be. Be the widow or widower God wants you to be. Be the husband or wife, the father or mother, the grandfather or grandmother. Be the churchman, be the churchwoman. Be the leader, the neighbor, the coworker, the classmate that God wants you to be. Because your life here and now is going to matter then and there. Anything and everything you do in this life is going to give you reward that allows you to show Christ's glory through your life and ministry to an even greater capacity. Look forward to tomorrow, but live for today. Remember the importance of today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this great book of Daniel. Thank you for giving us closure. Thank you for what you're doing in the midst of our church family by allowing us to walk and live out this book. Lord, we ultimately bow the knee to you, the God who is large and in charge. And as my CBC friend Ron Pike has said, God is large and in charge, but we are tiny and whiny. <laughs> we confess that to you, Lord, right now. On bended knee, we ask that you would help us to recognize how weak and small we are and how great you are and how eternal your kingdom will be. We humble ourselves before you. And we ask, Lord, for those that do not know Jesus Christ, that today, those who are present in this worship center, those who are watching online, that they would hear that all they have to do is bring you their sin and receive your righteousness, your perfection. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And he sits at the Father's right hand pleading with you to trust in him. As you do, you can spend eternity with God and with those who love him. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We give you the praise as do your name in your great and majestic name above all names. Amen.